Back to the Irish Bear Show. We are all here for once, all of us together. We are seven days away from the first Bears preseason game. I'm excited. All the guys here are excited. We are live over on YouTube, so make sure you go subscribe over there and get into the comments, put your comments in for anything that we're going to be talking about tonight. Look, I'm going to introduce each one of you again. You know all these people by now. Um, Anthony, how are you doing? I'm back in Cork, my man. I'm back in the real capital of the country. How are you getting on, my good man? Uh, doing very well. It's, what is it? We've got, I think I might get my boots on. I might see if I can get into the O-line, see what happens next. That's what I'm looking forward to talking about. We have no players left. Even Lechavius is injured. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say about that. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting show because there's a lot to talk about. It, it just seems like it's been kind of crazy. Look, Scott, how are you doing today? <laughs> this is a, a very... Yeah, go good, ahead, man. Scott. No, I'm good. I'm just chilling, you know. Uh, you know, life life is good. You know, the Bears are – I mean, granted, it's training camp, but you know what? Like, to me, like, life begins when football training camp starts and life ends with the end of the, uh, of the NBA finals. So in between all that, there's nothing going on. And I know that's a month of baseball and stuff like that, but literally – there is nothing going on right now. Yeah, pretty much. There is uh, nothing else to do, especially if you're a Cubs fan, because like, what's what's with baseball? White Sox so fan? Yeah, I know. I didn't see it back there. <laughs> could I turn this upside down or just like flip it and just you know? I mean, I can yeah. do I can do anything with this, but that's uh, bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah look. I think anyone that is a Cubs supporter now probably cannot wait for the Bears season to kick off in technically a week's time, but it's still preseason. And Goodbye, also, and also, <laughs> Goodbye, and all... Ricketts. Goodbye, Ricketts. We hope you say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think every Cubs fan can definitely agree with you there. Um, look, it's it's going to be very interesting in terms of a lot of the topics that we're going to be talking about today. There's a couple, there's even a couple of questions that are going to be, that I can imagine are going to be coming in today because look, you can see it all over Twitter. The last, I guess, 24, 48 hours. It seems like every single day there's more and more injuries. Corey, I'd like to kind of bring you in on this one. It's, it seems like the whole team is injured at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Basically we could, basically say that everybody and and the whole team that is starting basically so it's not even our backups it's it's all our starters which is um just an extra punch in the gut basically <laughs> yeah le less than ideal to say the least um like we said at this point anthony needs to probably go over to bears practice and maybe jump in in the offensive line he might need to gain a bit of weight but like he can eat a lot of loose pizza again in case you're listening just like just to do that Hi, tony <laughs> yeah tony how are you getting on today it's it's been crazy this week we've been talking about it in in our chat that uh just so just so much news <laughs> a lot of it's been negative this week for the bears yeah it's um it's everyone's in a kind of a downward spiral at the moment when it comes to, to Bears news coming out, especially every day you open up Twitter and you're like, God, what's the what's the injury report going to look like? 
um, today kind of thing, you know, and it's progressively getting worse and worse. But um, we'll, we'll see how things progress and we'll go from there. But personally, I'm doing fine. I uh, just had my second COVID vaccine yesterday, so that's me fully upgraded. Uh, feeling a wee bit iffy today, but, you know, I think it's just kind of like tiny short-term side effects. But other than that, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. Feeling good, guys. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of comments there. Um, get your comments in. Again, ask any questions because there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about that a lot of Bears fans have been kind of, I guess, conversing over the last kind of 24, 48 hours. It seems like the injury list is getting longer than the active list at this stage. I, I know it, when we were talking earlier, it's it's just insane the amount of guys that are out. We have, so we have like Ives, Burns, Tashawn Gibson, Khalil Mack, Josh Woods, Ralphon Smith, Danny Trevathan, James Daniels, Lachavius Simmons, Larry Borum, Tevin Jenkins, Jimmy Graham, uh, JP Hulls, Akeem Hicks, and then obviously our normal kind of PUP guys, the guys that just got, I guess, confirmed that they had COVID. I don't know if it's been completely, if it was known, if it was a false positive or it's actually happened or not, but it just seems ridiculous. Every single time we're, we're getting that kind of little interview from Matt Nagy, it's, I guess, the question for everybody is like, who is it going to be now? Who's, who's the next one? So without further ado, we will kind of talk about this, but I want to kind of break it up a little bit. And I'm going to start with the offensive line injuries. So the main ones, obviously. Now, when we started camp, there was 15 offensive linemen that were there for the Bears. There is now nine, I believe. So again, before you had your three teams where it was fine, you could kind of rotate. So giving the linemen a, a good rest, now it seems like all the guys that are in, you're basically in for the whole day in, in every single offense. So, look, obviously we have Borum, Afedi, Daniels, Jenkins are kind of the main ones because they're ones that have been working with the ones previously, whether it be in OTAs or in training camp. So, Anthony, I want to bring you in on this one first. So, I want to talk to you first about Afedi and Jenkins because those are two of the bigger ones that – I guess we would talk about because they're two expected starters at the offensive tackle position. Now we all expected going into camp that it was going to be Tevin Jenkins at left tackle and then Jermaine Fetty at right tackle. And neither one of them have had a single snap in, in training camp. It's probably unlikely that they're going to play in some of these preseason games as well. So what have, what's been your opinion as we've kind of gone through, I think it's now eight, nine days of practice now. Um, and still, neither one of them looks relatively close to getting on the field. Yeah, it's almost reassuring as a Bears fan that we have something negative to talk about after three and a half months of just living the dream that would be Justin Fields. Uh, in all seriousness, I think Kevin Jenkins has been the person that's the most important player in our team. I'm not terrified yet. Um, I'm not even worried uh what but still in my head that it's not as bad as people think is that matt Nagy hasn't or ryan pace hasn't brought in a, a tackle we haven't gone out and spent money of the five or six million that we've left on a tackle yet once that happens then i probably will get very worried what is what is upsetting is that we won't get to see tevin jenkins on the field i'm not that worried about a fairy he's a he's a He's an experienced player. He's been there three or four years, been around the league five, six years, whatever it is. So I'm not worried of Jermaine Effetti. What I am worried about is Tevin Jenkins 
he's never had a go off, let's say, a Khalil Mack or, or a Robert Quinn or, or even so many other guys that are coming at him. And we need to see that before week one because we want to see him make mistakes in training camp than anything else. Now, in saying all that, it is still week one. We still got four or five weeks to go. I don't really care about, the, obviously, the result in the, in the friendlies coming up. Meh, whatever. Um, but I think it's... The one that's disappointing even more is that Borum suddenly had his chance again, and then suddenly Borum gets concussion. It's almost like we walked across black cats or something like that. But again, going back to my first point, it's kind of reassuring as a Bears fan that, okay, we've got something negative to talk about, which is kind of weird. Yeah, absolutely. Look, guys, we're live over on YouTube, so make sure that you go over there, hit subscribe, like the video, and again, leave your comments down there. We will be discussing them. Look, Scott, I want to bring you in on this one because you mentioned before that you think that the bigger story that people really aren't talking about when we talk about these tackles is actually Jermaine Effetti. Everybody's talking about Tevin Jenkins because he's the second-round pick, but if you listen to the coaches, they don't seem overly concerned about Tevin Jenkins. Matt Nagy doesn't seem concerned. Juan Castillo doesn't seem concerned. But there hasn't really been any talk from the media or any of the coaches about Jermaine Effetti lately. So here's the thing. Nagy today said the target for Tevin Jenkins is week one. It's not the preseason games and things like that. Now, obviously, the big thing about especially being an offensive lineman during the preseason is this is where you start getting your chemistry. This is where everybody starts understanding how to, you know, what the calls mean, how everybody's going to react when certain things come up. So, I mean, this is valuable time that I think all these guys that you have listed below uh, are missing. But here's why I'm more worried about Effetti than anybody else on this list. When you look at the full roster and where everybody is designated, active roster, and then pup lists and reserve retired, Jake Budd is on obviously uh, the reserve retired list and the only one there. But here's why I'm worried about Effetti. The list that he's on is the active pup list. So if he is not taken off that list before week one of the regular season, he cannot come off until at least, I believe, week nine, I think it is, week nine or week ten of the regular season. That's the problem. He's Obviously, the injury is the, the hip flexor, and that can take time to heal. But I think if you're the Bears, you want him off the list as quickly as humanly possible. Not only for, uh, you know, not just for the obvious reason where, you know, you want at least one tackle that's healthy, but you want to have at least your best players on the field when week one comes around. And right now, it just doesn't look that way. Yeah, it's definitely worrying, Corey, because when – you look at things, we were expecting that the offensive line would take a bit of a jump, but with players being out injured, it's it's very difficult for these guys to be able to kind of come together because that's what we always hear when it comes to the offensive line is these guys need to be able to be available and be together So because they're not individuals there. They have to work as one. Yeah, and we heard both um, the interviews from Cody Whitehair and I was listening to Alex Bars today. They were talking about, um, you know, they are – able to switch different positions, kind of like we saw last year where they were kind of playing musical chairs with everybody. Um, but they also said, you know, there is a 
a flow that you get into, right? There's a, you trust the guys next to you because you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing in that specific position. So that's, that's my worry is that we're going to start getting into this musical chairs game again, like we did last year. And we're not able to have the guys in the positions in which they excel. And, you know, to their credit, they they did what they could in those different positions. And Whitehair was saying in his interview, you know, we want to step up. We're going to step up and do whatever we have to for the team. But yeah, it once you get into the one position, you're able to trust everybody. You're able to know the playbook better. So it's it's imperative. And especially for somebody like Tevin Jenkins, who hasn't taken a rep with some of these with some of these vets, you know, that the, 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 uh, the preseason games, it's just crucial for somebody like Tevin Jenkins coming in. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Look, Tony, I want to bring this, this one in for you. Um, something that Bear Truth says, and it goes, I'm not concerned. I have more faith in Borum than Effetti. Now, not so much in terms of answering the question, but we did see Matt Nagy kind of talk about Larry Borum and how he was doing quite well, even being pushed in at left tackle for the for the Bears' first-team offense. And that's really, really interesting because we didn't expect much from him. We expected him to kind of be that swing tackle, but the fact that he kind of held his own, that's really, really positive. So what did you make of what Nagy was talking about when he was talking about Larry Boren? Yeah, I think coming out of the, the draft or going into the draft as well, I don't think many people had a particularly high grade on Larry Borum. Um, but I think Nagy had said during the week that the guys had a second or third round grade on him. Um, so either they, they've seen something that other people haven't seen um, and, and had that kind of higher grade on there, um, or they're saying that to... Um, justify this chap getting getting reps at, at left tackle, etc. I mean, obviously that's just the complete cynic in me saying that. But uh, you know, <laughs> as as Anthony alluded to earlier on, there's a strange um, comfort in uh, as being a Bears fan and um, looking at the the negative aspects of everything. You know, so um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, well, one of the the things here with the O-line is that it is getting to that stage where there is a wee bit of a worry over availability. You know, availability is the best ability you can have um, as, as a football player. Um, and I think this season we're being incredibly unlucky with injuries. Um, but I also think that maybe the team are maybe being overly cautious. I, th I think if we were... Kind of a few weeks down the road and we were in this situation, I'd probably be a lot more concerned. Right now, I'm willing to kind of see it play out, see where it goes. You know, the likelihood is Wilkinson's going to be back from the COVID uh, protocols pretty shortly. Um, Afedi, uh, again, is probably going to be back. So the, the tackle's the main concern. I think your inside three positions are actually okay. Because even if Daniels hypothetically were to have some sort of issue with his thigh or whatever it is on uh, a more long-term basis, you've got a guy like um, Bars who can come in and um, you know fill in for him quite comfortably and a couple of other guys further down the depth chart. It's the two tackle positions. And for me, what's happened at the start of the preseason here is 
it's been highlighted that we don't have enough depth there. And maybe we didn't do enough in the off-season in terms of putting these guys in because Jenkins was always going to take a wee bit of time. Borum's the same. So, yeah, it's uh, it's early days, but there are some concerns for me. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely concerns. Look, we've got a couple more people in the chat. So <laughs> one of my guys, AJ, or RJ, that I was talking to about all these Cubs and White Sox trades before I went to Portugal, it's, it's good to have him in the chat. But one of the questions that actually is really important here and it was one thing that did cross my mind, actually. It was something that Alan says here. Do all these O-line injuries just show how dominant our D-line is in, in practice? And you kind of get the opinion of maybe, but then you look at the different kind of injuries that keep coming up. It, it's definitely something to kind of look out for because the one thing I keep hearing people say is they try to blame, I guess, Ryan Pays and Matt Nagy for not having the appropriate depth, but like, no team is able to deal with when three or four offensive tackles go down injured. At the end of the day, I know people will blame them because Charles Leno went and he hasn't been, he hasn't missed time and he hasn't missed time in the last couple of seasons. But at some point in time, you have to improve on Charles Leno and you need to get better. And that's what they tried to do. It's just unfortunate that guys have gone down hurt. Look, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. You'll probably see Tevin Jenkins play. The way it, it sounds is that if it was a game, that he'd probably be playing in the game because we know how offensive linemen kind of play hurt anyway. And it just seems like it's one of those things that they're trying to manage it. The one I think positive, and I'll bring you in on this one, Anthony, that I took out of it is listening to kind of Juan Castillo say that Tevin Jenkins is prepared to play based on kind of the work he's done. It's it's interesting because it, for me, that means that at least he he believes that he knows the plays and he knows the playbook. And that's really the first thing that is important. So if you know it like the back of your hand, then it means that you're not thinking as much. Obviously, there's going to be a couple of issues. It's not ideal for the Rams game. But look, the next game you play is against the Bengals where you can probably get away with a couple of teething problems on the offensive line. But it will be interesting. Guys will have to step up. Like like Tony said, loads of people have been raving about bars over the last couple of last couple of seasons, actually. He gets his chance now. You have to go and take it. Like Sam Mustafer did last year. Loads of injuries. He came in. He played pretty well. He's kind of bulked up for this season. And I know in the Hogan Johns podcast that I think it was um, Johns was saying that um, Sam Mustafer has looked really good in camp. So this is just a time that I think guys need to step up. What's your opinion on it all, Anthony? Yeah, I think I think that I think Sam Mustafer is a very very good example for any player that's in the bubble area now uh, in the Chicago Bears to see what Sam Mustafer has done in a year. Sam Mustafer has basically made himself a number one starter now, uh, from being somebody who was a who was a kind of undrafted free agent, if memory serves me right, coming out of Notre Dame, I think. But what what kind of struck me a little bit about about the Tevin Jenkins thing it isn't about the player himself. It's not necessarily about that. And Corey mentioned it, I think, a little bit as well. It's the chemistry ability, and the fact that these guys were building up this what seemed like a really good chemistry onto the O line. They were all kind of got the training together. They all turned up when when none of the defense defensive line did, um, and it just seemed to be a little bit. It, something was growing and something was building, and to get this is is interesting. I would like to raise one point, and it's something that I've I've never really heard of in the states, and maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, lads. But in Europe, 
when stuff like this happens with injuries to players, the strength and conditioning is questioned. And the strength and conditioning coaches are questioned on a daily basis as to what the hell's going on. So if there's groin injuries, if there's hamstring injuries, if there's if there's non non breakage basically, uh, then the strength and conditioning is questioned. And it's a question that I'd, I'd like to kind of see what everybody else's thoughts are. But when I'm hearing all these injuries, they constantly seem to be the likes of Roquan with the groin, the likes of even Tevin Jenkins with the back, all these kind of things. It's just, is it is it a strength and conditioning question? And if so, is that something that, that gets kind of neglected in the States? Uh, I think you're on, I think you're on mute, Scott. <laughs> I didn't want to hear myself either. Um, <laughs> no, Anthony, I think this is where, and, and stuff like, like the news of this kind of stuff doesn't generally travel far and it doesn't usually travel loudly. But the Bears let go of their strength and conditioning coach during the offseason, like right after last season. Uh, and they got a new one. And now we still have all these injuries. So to me, I don't know if it's necessarily a strength and conditioning issue. Maybe it's practice field. Maybe it's just the way that they're doing things. And maybe it's just freak injuries that just happen. Um, I don't know what the what the true issues are when it comes to having all these injuries all at the same time and they're all like, you know, dropping like flies. We, I mean, the bears are the walking wounded, but I think the question that you do have to ask is how much of this. And I don't want to say that everybody has COVID when I say this, but how much of this is COVID related because of either how much you can train or how little you can train or how you train professionally when you weren't being led into buildings like Alice Hall, when you weren't being allowed into gyms and things like that. You had to do whatever it was at home. So, I mean, you know, like when you can't do some of the things that you would normally do if you were employed by the, by the team, it makes things a little bit more difficult that your conditioning could be affected. So, again, not saying that anybody has COVID, but this could be just COVID related in a, on a cursory level. Like it's not necessarily bears, the, a bears problem, but the last couple of years bears have had a lot of injuries and a lot of it is due to, I think the lack of professional training that they were able to get just because of this virus. Yeah. It's interesting because I actually do agree to a certain extent and um, with, with yourself, Anthony, because I know they change strength and conditioning, but what I wonder is what autonomy have they given this strength and conditioning coach to put in his own plan? Because often you see in organizations around the world when that happens is that it usually takes about a year before that guy actually gets to implement his plan because guys are already on schedules. So at some point in time, there's got to be a change. Very similar to when you see a GM change all the scouts. They still use all the old material until they can kind of put in their plans. It just seems like something, something's not right in the fact that we're seeing so many guys go down. And it's not just these unlucky like bone breaks where that can happen to anybody. And then that's nothing to do with strength and conditioning. That's just some guy has gotten unlucky. But we're seeing a lot of grind injuries, a lot of quad injuries, look, concussions we can't do anything about. But a lot of it, we are kind of going back and seeing that there are more soft tissue injuries that we're seeing this year. And it does come down to strength and conditioning. Look, anybody that's kind of 
being around any sort of sports team knows just how important that is nowadays. And I don't know, it's it's definitely something to be, I'd say, concerned rather than worried about. Because like we said before, Corey, it's early. And we haven't even hit the first preseason game. And you have to remember, as most people say, that the preseason games don't really matter for the majority of the players. And for most experienced players, they don't. It's more for the rookies, and I think that's why a lot of people are kind of questioning about Tevin Jenkins not being able to play because people would like to see how he could get on before week one. Yeah, well, and the other thing is we we don't know the extent of these injuries, right? Nobody has come out and said it's it's a severe back sprain or it's a severe groin. There, and for for what it's worth, every time Nagy is interviewed, he keeps saying. I'm not too worried. You know, we're keep trying to keep them healthy. We're trying to protect them from themselves from going too hard, you know? So, um, Brad Biggs, uh, he, he came out and said that, um, Tevin Jenkins, he, he missed the last three games of Oklahoma state because it was a lumbar sprain. So they didn't say that this is the same thing that's been going on with him right now. But, um, according to Dr. Google, you know, that takes three to four weeks of recovery, but then, you don't have any symptoms, you know, you get through it, you condition it correctly. And, and then you're, you seem to be fully recovered where something like, you know, a hamstring in, in injury, I think something like that can be more reoccurring in terms of, you know, year after year, if, if you're not taking care of it correctly. So it's a lot of these soft tissue injuries that we don't know how severe they are. We don't really know how or why they happened. Um, but it, you know, for the most part, especially with, with a lot of the starters, it, it seems like they're not overly concerned. They're trying to, and, and it's a time to say, Hey, maybe what we're doing is wrong. You know, let's figure this out in the preseason before we even get to, or figure it out during training camp, before we get to preseason, before we get to week one, you know, let's talk to this new, you know, strength and conditioning coach, what are some other steps that we can take that can prevent this? Because we saw a lot of injuries last year. We don't want that happening again, obviously. So it, it's still early days. And I, I'm hoping that this is just kind of a wake up call to say, let's get our bleep together and figure this out going into the season. Yeah, I just it, want to know. Hold on, hold on, Karen. I just want to know how Corey got Doctor Google on the phone because I've been trying to get an appointment with that guy for months, and that like he has like totally avoided me. So I need yeah. to know what's what's your secret. <laughs> so, well, googling for myself and my kids twenty four seven. We're on like a very one on one special relationship basis, basically. <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Google is like when you see some of the commercials and it tells you every single side effect of probably paracetamol, where it's like from, oh, you might have a little headache to where you could potentially die. That's basically what Dr. Google and tells and you. And also, usually when you die, it's not just a normal death either. It's a proper, like, mad death. You're going to be eaten by a shark if you take some paracetamol, basically. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Look gone a little bit off topic there but it's it's very true what, what Corey says and I think where people are worried is just that the injuries are all coming at the same spot rather than it being kind of spread around completely um and it's a little bit worrying you look at it our two starting safeties are injured three of our starting offensive linemen are injured somehow we have three quarterbacks that are out there when normally that's the biggest story 
you look at the wide receivers, they're all okay. Um, even the tight ends are, are kind of performing well. It all seems to be in a cluster. And that's why I think people are more concerned because when that happens, it goes to what happened last year where we had all these injuries on the offensive line and there was a couple of games in the middle of the season. The one I remember is the Titans game where we just got our asses kicked. And look, where I mentioned before in terms of just because there's a comment here in the chat from Chubbs about the preseason games, where I mentioned about they're not that important, this is coming from players that say it's not important for them to be prepared. For these veterans, they know how to how to take care of their body. They know how to get into football shape. They don't play that often in the preseason. Like when we look at it, Danny Trevathan, how long is he going to play in these three preseason games? Probably at max, what, two and a half, three quarters? Like he's not going to play in the – any of the starters don't play in the third preseason, preseason game anymore because that's the equivalent of the fourth. In the first preseason game, you will probably see the starters play about a quarter. And then in the second preseason game, you probably see them play a half. And that's and that's it. And look, Chubbs, this is where I completely agree with you. I think offensive line, that is important. I would play the offensive lineman in the preseason because that's, like we said before, that's the one area of the team where chemistry is very, very important because they need to work together as a unit. It's not the individual's. And that's where I think you will see. You'll probably see the likes of Sam Mustafa in there for a large portion, but you're not going to see Cody Whitehair in there because he knows how to get his body ready. You're not going to see James Daniels because he has picked up injuries before, so they're going to manage it. But guys that need to prove it, they'll ha- they'll have to be in there longer. When there's a question mark over a player, those are kind of the guys that you'll see that play longer into, into those games. Look, I think we've kind of gone through most of the stuff in terms of the offensive line. Obviously there's other guys that have, that have gotten injured. I know Lechavia Simmons got a concussion as well. Look, you never, you never want a, a guy to, to get injured. He's one that I don't think I would have wanted to see in that first team because in every single video you were seeing, even from the reports from fans, he was getting bullied by the first team defense. He's just not ready. And that's why it's important to get some of these guys back. It's the complete opposite to Larry Borum. He comes in as a rookie. And like Matt Nagy says, he was able to kind of deal with it. And they not only did they think of it at the time, but they're able to confirm their beliefs on tape. And that's kind of the most important thing when we talk about that one. Look, the last thing that I want to mention on kind of the offensive line, this is for you, Tony. Um, and it actually comes with, I guess, with the Bears and what they've done this year. So the draft philosophy of getting both Jen- Jenkins and Borum and kind of trying to shift to what Juan Castillo wants and this kind of aggressive um, offensive lineman. Look, we haven't seen Jenkins. Hopefully he will be available for week one. But even just the fact that they've selected a fifth-round pick in Larry Borum, it seems that Ryan Pace just knocks every single fifth-round pick out of the park. So like, it's probably not a surprise that he seems to have gotten a bit of praise. Um, but we spoke in the show before. We expected it to be kind of that kind of swing tackle. But he's he's showing that he belongs. And that's it. You look at him and he looks like an offensive lineman. One thing that I know, Scott, you spoke about before is that he was very good in his run um, blocking in terms of in, in college. But you can probably see it. His, his physique has changed. It'll be interesting. I want to... I hope he's back for the second preseason game because I want to see what 
what's different about him now because you looked at him in, in the tape against even Alabama, which I know a lot of people have watched, and his run defense was good, and that's a very important thing that we need because the amount of holes we got for David Montgomery last year, very, very minuscule. So the better run kind of blocking since we can have in our O-line, the better. But in terms of the draft philosophy where we've seen these two guys come in, what are your thoughts on that, Tony? I think um, Ryan Pace can be criticised for not uh, investing enough in the offensive line since since he's arrived. Certainly not um, investing high picks in the offensive line since he's he's got here. Um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, the, the problem has been is the offensive line has been such a, a, a position under the magnifying glass for us. Look at last season. Um, the, you know, we were all over the place. We didn't know who was playing where, and it wasn't until we got that stability in the last few games that we've seen some some really good improvements. Um, so I think um, you know, going out and, and spending a high draft pick on Jenkins and spending a, a kind of mid to low round pick on Borum this year has been the way to go. Um, I, th- I think both of them have got get bags of potential, whereas the guys maybe they've taken the previous year and Simmons and Hambright were, were always going to be longer-term projects. And as you alluded to earlier on, you know, they get steamrolled uh, in those uh, practices early on as well. So they're not used to, to playing up, up against those those kind of the, the number ones and the starters and the defence. So um, hopefully the guys that they've brought in can, can supersede the, those two kind of guys um, and I would imagine Simmons and Hambry will probably just be depth pieces moving forward but I would love to see Borum be a, you know make his way up to the, at least the, the kind of right tackle starting position he dropped a lot of weight on the offseason as well which gives him that flexibility of being able to move to the outside because I think everyone projected them to be just a um, I say just a guard but to be a guard um, but he's obviously gone above and beyond made the effort um so he's got the right kind of mentality um and i think in an ideal world we had him in the right with uh, jenkins on the left and that was our you know outside uh, offensive lineman moving forward for the next 10 years then we'd be in a fantastic situation especially considering we're going to have our uh, rookie qb there for the next you know 10 15 years probably longer than that as well um so it's, it's a really really good setup and I think Pace has has approached the draft in the sense that this is the, the big transition. We're moving forward as one unit. You know, we're going to have a, certainly the starting left tackle, hopefully a, a starting right tackle, and then our new starting QB and kind of build from there. But I think I'm quite optimistic about how things are going to be moving forward. But you're right, until we actually see any of these new guys playing real games, you can't really make any evaluation based solely off of practice. As as an O lineman uh, and a D lineman in, in practices, it's, it's not the same as going up against your opponent. You know, you don't want to beat up your pals as much as you want to beat up the guy in the other team. So until they actually go head to head with proper opposition, and hopefully when the Dolphins come in next week, we'll see a wee bit of that starting. Um, then we'll get a better idea of what, what we're going to see moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that's really good a really good thought there in terms of when the Dolphins come in. I think that's when you're going to see really what this offensive line has because against a different team's defense because, look, that's that's always important. There's a couple of questions that have come in 
was there was one here which I don't think I agree with in terms of is it fair to start questioning Jenkins and Sarge, but it's too early. Look, if this was happening in the middle of the season where it's little nicks and bruises and he wasn't coming in, I think that's you could probably get it then. But look, rookies aren't really the ones that keep themselves out. It's the training staff that do. So look, I know there's there was a comment here in terms of he definitely wants to play again the professional training staff are the ones that kind of keep these guys out. Because again, I know we want to say it's really important that these guys are having all the reps in preseason. They have all the reps in training camp. But at the end of the day, if their body is ready, if they know the playbook, it is a transition to play in the regular season. But guys do that all the time. How many times have we seen guys? I think one I particularly remember was back when Leonard Floyd was a rookie. He, rare, he was not practicing for a long time, very close to the opening game of the season. And then suddenly in the opening game of the season, he was starting and it shocked everybody because he hadn't played in the preseason games. He was out injured in, we were told, in training camp. But yet then once the actual game starts, they get put in. Sometimes it is, you're trying, these guys have to go through a lot in the season and being able to protect them early on especially when, and we haven't spoken about it that much, but with the extra game, I think these coaches are just trying to be a little bit more cautious because they know by the end of the season, these guys are all banged up. And if they're banged up at the start of the season, it's just going to get worse. So again, I think this is just managing it. There is a couple of, um, there's a couple of uh, good comments here as well. So Tim kind of puts in here, and this is an important one. So the tight ends can help out the offensive linemen. So if you really want that running game going, you need those off those tight ends to help out if these guys are injured. So just not look, Jimmy Graham. Yes, Correct. not 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 Jimmy Graham. <laughs> exactly. Look, I don't believe it's as bad for Tevin Jenkins because you see him doing all this kind of weight training at the side. He's pulling up all these weights up a, up a hill, down a hill, all this sort of stuff, which usually puts a little bit of tension on your back. So for me, I feel like it might be one of those things they're just monitoring so that it doesn't get worse over the next few weeks and they're just trying to ease him into it so he can be available for week one. And I think that's really important. Look, we're going to move on and we are going to be talking about some of the other kind of positions and some of the other, I guess, topics that have come up over the last number of days before we do move on guys make sure that you like the video over on youtube make sure you're subscribed we did hit 400 subscribers this week so we're really excited about that and really thankful for all of you guys for supporting the channel look the last couple of things that i kind of wanted to touch on because just listening to kind of matt Nagy is running backs they were impressing in camp we're seeing david montgomery when he hits those live sessions that he's breaking a lot of tackles making the plays that we expect of him. But the more interesting one, look, obviously we're seeing Khalil Herbert do well as, as well. Damien Williams is doing what it, we expected. So the only guy that we haven't seen anything of is Tariq Cohen. So hopefully he can come back soon. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the wide receivers because first of all, Alan Robinson being as we expect Alan Robinson to be. But the first thing, and I want to bring you on this one, Anthony, because we spoke about it before in terms of who we expected to kind of be that, I guess, spark plug for the offense. And we kept, kept coming back to Darnell Mooney. And Matt Nagy kind of spoke about him in particular, saying some of the routes that he's running now is brilliant. And 
the funny thing that I found from it is that he compared he compared Mooney to Allen Robinson being in this offense for a couple of years. But then we have to remember it's only his second year in the offense. This kid, not only does he have the athletic ability, does he have the smarts, but the fact is he puts in the time, he puts in the work. And he's one of the guys that's really being put out there that it's no question that he's the number two wide receiver on this team. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's the one that kicked Anthony Miller out of the team and out of the club. Um, and he did it in two games last season as a rookie. Um, I think he is he, he is everything you could possibly do. Um, I, mate, I love it. So I didn't mention Das. It's 42 minutes that I haven't mentioned Das. First mention of Das. And we're into wide receivers. Perfect timing. Um, but what has been really interesting is there's wide receivers on the team that I didn't know existed, to be completely honest. And they seem to be making plays right now. and start, People start to be pushing. And I think the introduction of Goodwin and Bird have created competition in the wide receiver room that's really, really interesting. And it started making people see they've got a chance. Now, let's not go, let's not go crazy. Wims dropped a dime. That's what Wims does. Don't know why he's still in the team. Really don't know why. New number, don't care. Um, but there's so many other wide receivers that are, look like they could potentially do stuff. Um, from Thomas Ives, I know he's injured at the moment, but he was doing well at the start. Um, keep going. There's so many, and again, there's people that I don't even know. But the wide receiver room basically almost starts and stops at, at Robinson and Mooney. Um, and we get those two in, and then we look. The fact that I love about this is that we don't really have a slot receiver at the moment because I don't think we're going to use a designated slot receiver. I think I heard on one of the other podcasts where they were saying that they're going to, you're going to see quite a lot of different people going into that spot. Um, whether it's Robinson, whether it's Tariq Cohen jumping out there, whether it's some of the running backs that'll find themselves in those positions. And I think you'll find, like, exactly, Stokes 100%, Rodney Adams is another one. And I'll be honest, I didn't know he was even on the team. So there's another person that, that I'm talking about. But it's just, there's so many opportunities, I think, for wide receivers. Now, my biggest issue, and I'm going to get it to it later on when we talk about that, is, is does Matt Nagy offensive guru, does he have the ability to use those players in the way that makes us a better team offensively? Go back to what I've said all along. No excuses time, my friend. You now are getting a wide receiver room with pace, with potentially receivers that no one knows anything about. So it's all on you. And, and I, I just, he is my biggest concern going into week one, his ability to, to, to call plays, his ability to, to run a normal offensive yeah, look, absolutely. And I, I kind of want to go back to the comment there in terms of Rodney Adams, because we know now that obviously it's going to be Robinson and Mooney. And we've seen this for a long time. These were going to be the two guys. But then the question comes, what goes after? Look, I think a lot of people expect that Marquis Goodwin will probably be kind of slot to go or maybe go outside. You might push kind of Mooney going into the slot sometimes. Um, Robinson will be in there. I don't think it really matters in terms of who exactly is going to be in that slot, but it's getting those kind of, when you want to do those three wide receiver sets, that it is going to be important that you have more guys. And that's where the questions come in because Marquise Goodwin got a lot of pub early on where people are saying his speed is legit, all that sort of stuff. But over the last couple of weeks, well, even just even just the last week when you're seeing kind of who are the guys that are making plays. You mentioned it before, Anthony, that it seems like it's an everyday occurrence now that we're hearing of Javon Williams dropping a pass and either Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. 
we're hearing Rodney Adams again. We have Riley Ridley, who's made, who's appeared to make some plays. I think John Vare Johnson as well has been one of the guys as well. That I know a lot of these guys are there with Justin Fields, but I know John Vare. He, I think he got one or two reps maybe two days ago with the ones, and he got he had an impressive touchdown as well. Rodney Adams it was the big one today because you had Brad Biggs talking about that he seems like he's one of the guys that's actually making more plays outside of Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. So, look, Corey, I want to bring you in on this one. Is what is what is your opinion when you get past those top two wide receivers? What do you think couldn't actually shake out? Because it seems like there's a lot of these wide receivers that are kind of clustered together right now. Yeah, I think that wide receiver three um... – it's almost up for grabs. You know, I think we keep five or six probably going into the 53 man roster. Um, and you, you, you do, you hear about Rodney Adams, Adams, you see all the tweets going about the catches he made. I saw a fantastic video of Marquise Goodwin making a one-handed grab today. That was, I mean, unbelievable, really impressive. And then obviously Marquise Goodwin has, unbelievable speed as well. Um, Riley Ridley too. So, you know, I think, and Demir Bird, I think like Anthony said, there, there's so much talent that people have forgotten about or didn't even know was on the team that it, it's basically a good problem to have. Right. And, and all of these guys, you know, whoever makes it, they're just, they're going to help lift a Rob and Mooney up too. You know, they're all feeding off each other. They're all having a great time out there. They're talking to each other after their routes. So, you know, I I think ultimately it's probably going to be A Rob Mooney, Goodwin, Daz. Don't worry, <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> and um, you know, honestly, I don't I don't know who that last. I think it could be completely up for grabs. I and I think they're all making an absolute claim for that position, which I think is really, really exciting. And, you know, they're lifting each other up, but they're also giving fantastic targets to Andy Dalton, but also Justin Fields. We haven't seen Justin Fields with the first stringers yet at training camp. So to have that kind of talent and that kind of speed and that kind of communication um, on your second string, I think that that can only serve him going forward. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's a good problem to have. Nagy seems really, really pumped up about that entire wide receiver room. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. And I'm going to come to you, Scott, on this one because what Corey says there is definitely true because before we were just so used to it as just being Alan Robinson, Anthony Miller, obviously last year having um, Darnell Mooney came in, it kind of gave us a little bit more of a dimension. But we had quarterbacks that weren't actually able to make those throws accurately that went to the strengths of our wide receivers. We've heard a couple guys there. So obviously kind of the main guys in terms of Demir Bird has come in. We've had Goodwin come in. Demir Bird being injured over the last couple of days, again, that's it's a little bit of a risky one. The question will always be is how many wide receivers are, are going to come up? Because you constantly think of some of these guys and you hear Rodney Adams making a lot of these plays and you're starting to hear these beat reporters actually mention him to be a guy that's making plays not only for when he's there with Justin Fields, but when he's with the ones with Andy Dalton against the first team defense. When you have a guy that's doing that, that's lower on the depth jar, you kind of have to start taking notice because, like I said, those guys that would be maybe that 
it, let's say they take six wide receivers, that fifth or sixth guy, you look at probably Javon Wims, who has made this roster before that. Obviously, the Bears weren't happy with towards the end of the season. If there's guys that are going to start making plays, we've spoken about Daz Newsom. Where he's going to come in handy is obviously with the kick returning early on before he kind of gets onto the field. So what's your opinion when you look at all these kind of wide receivers bunched together right now? I think it's half of it is a good problem to have. Half of it is a bad problem to have. The good problem, you know, you want to have talent. Ultimately, you Jeff, you definitely want to have talent. Let's say that they keep seven, and that's a possibility. Pretty much your locks are going to be A-Rob, Mooney, Goodwin, Bird, and Daz Newsom. So, okay, that's that's five of your seven. You now have what? Like eight other wide receivers to take up two spots? Uh, you know, Ridley had never – still hasn't played special teams. I think he played – I think it was three special teams plays in two years. That's not a lot. Uh, whereas Javon Wims played special teams a lot. Now, that said – you can't drop passes as a wide receiver. That, you know, that hurts a lot. I'm not sure if Wims is a is a lock to lock up one of those last two spots. And I'm not sure Ridley is either. When you have guys like, as you mentioned, Rodney Adams making plays, uh, you know, Johnson making those making plays, guys that aren't, you know, undrafted free agents, guys that weren't expected to do much, but they're coming in and they're doing exactly what they want to do to be on an NFL roster, those are the guys that I want. Those are the guys that I'm sure Matt Nagy would want because they're motivated. They're hungry. They want to get paid. They may not necessarily get paid the millions that these other guys are getting paid, but the NFL minimum ain't so bad. Like, I would take the NFL minimum. Um, yeah, I, I would take about 10% of the NFL minimum if I could. Um, but that's just me. So I think that you need hungry guys. And at this point, unless Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, and granted, Ridley's made plays this this, uh, preseason, that's great. But unless they step up in an unbelievable way, both of them may be hitting the streets fairly soon. I I just want to follow up on what what you said, Scott, there around that. I think what's really interesting about about the team, what you said about it's a good problem and a bad problem at the same time, where I think it's a really good problem to have is it creates that competition where no one knows they're definitely locked in. So Javon Williams knew he was going to be in the in the in the roster last year. He didn't even need to worry about what he was doing if there was a training camp. But what this creates is a level of competition in, in the wide receiver room is it gives the whole team a shout out and going, well what the hell is going on? You see I'm gonna butcher his name. Alex uh, the the outside linebacker we just got in uh, has done five interceptions Oh, no, Alec, no. Alec Ogletree? Ogletree. Ogletree. He's created a kind of interest where he was meant to really be a tackle, just a tackle bag almost, and suddenly he's done five intercepts in three days, and he's created a, geez, he might get into the roster, and it creates a problem then maybe for, for somebody of the other guys, like Woods, for example, who was sitting there going, well, I'm probably going to get in as the, as the fourth guy. That's what we need. The more people that pressurize the people at the top, the better. Because Chicago Bears, for the last number of years, have had guaranteed people who were never going to do anything really important within the within the squad, and they just always got picked, and they always got played, and they always got their little bit of money. And I think that's 
really the biggest push that Ryan Pace has done by this draft is creating an opportunity with free agency and with the draft to really push people on that. You want to get into the team, you got to earn it now. And there's some kids in the wide receiver room who are going, yeah, do you know what? I want that. I want that fourth place. I'm the biggest Daz Newsom fan I know. Probably the biggest Daz Newsom fan Daz knows. But what I will say to him on that is he isn't the lock at number four. He really isn't. And he shouldn't be. There's nobody in that wide receiver room outside of Alan Robinson and Darnell Mooney should be a lock. That's what we want. We want competition all over the place. And if you don't like that competition, you don't want to be involved, leave. There's the door. Follow Anthony Miller out. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, the interesting one at the end. I'm going to come to you on this one time to kind of end the wide receiver talk is, and a lot of people have mentioned it, is those last ones, it comes down to special teams. And the end of the day, while Wims doesn't, has made... <laughs> I guess, a lot of mistakes in terms of a lot of drop passes so far in training camp. He is one of the few guys towards that end of the roster in terms of the wide receiver group that does play special teams. So now, look, a lot of fans haven't seen some of these guys play because, again, they haven't been on the roster before. So we'll see in the preseason to see which guys can actually play special teams. But at the end of the day, we don't know if Rodney Adams plays special teams. Even if he does make more plays, at the end of the day, if you're the fourth or, or really the fifth wide receiver on a team, you're not going to be getting many passes because, again, it goes to the, to the same. We look at even well, – look, the thing that gives Daz Newsome a head that where you feel pretty confident that he's making the team is the fact that he does return kicks, he can return punts, whims can play on special teams, and we just don't know about these other guys yet. Riley Ridley, like Scott said, even though he seems to be making plays with – Justin Fields, he hasn't done anything on special teams. And like we said, usually towards the end of the cornerback spots and the end of the wide receiver spots, you need to be able to produce something on special teams. If you can do that, you have a better chance to make a 53. And then you hope for if an injury does happen, you step up and you make some plays. Like I think um, Tony mentions here, it's the exact same thing that happened to Adam Thielen. So he wasn't a guy at the start that was coming in, got onto the team play, and played special teams. A couple of injuries came in, he made plays, and he hasn't looked back since. So look, Tony, I wanted to bring you in. In terms of those kind of, I guess those last two roster spots in terms of the wide receiver, I'll go this in two ways. What way do you think it's going to shake out and what players would you actually like to see make the 53-man roster at the end of that wide receiver group? Yeah, so as you say, you know, special teams is the way onto the the squad for a lot of these these guys, these younger guys or guys on the fringe. So they really need to be able to be flexible. They need to, you know, be able to fit in and, and do multiple roles in the team. Um, I think you know if you're talking about the maybe the core five guys that are going to be in the team there: Goodwin, Mooney, Robinson, um, Newsom, and Bird. Um, so say you, you do keep another two there. You got to keep in mind as well, though, the way that I think they're going to run the offense this year is that you're going to be maybe using Damian Williams a lot as as a pass catcher, um, and as, and we don't really know how they're going to use Tariq Cohen this year. And they're talking about doing it differently as well. So there's two other guys that you're up against in terms of competition for catching the ball. So you know if you're going to be making the team, you're going to be you've got to be a guy who is like, well, yeah, if there's a chance to get in there and and catch some balls, great, I'm going to be able to do that, but you know, where I'm really going to get snaps is special teams. And I think the other eight or nine guys that are left over 
from the wide receiver list that we currently have, um, they've really got to be thinking about that. Um, but at the same time, as I think Scott had said as well, you, fair enough, Javon Wims has made the team a lot recently because he can play special teams, but it's seen that when he's called upon to make moves, playing actual in the receiver position, that he's not been able to do it. So um, so I think what we kind of need to do here is, is, is look at guys who can play special teams, but also look at guys who can play wide receiver. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I think over the next three weeks, we're going to really be able to make that decision a bit more once we see people getting proper snaps in the preseason and, and see people taking advantage. So it's hard to really pick a guy just now, but I can certainly rule out guys like Javon Wims and Riley Ridley because um, they don't provide um, enough um, in different ways. Javon Wims in the terms of he can't catch a ball despite the fact he's a professional football player and Riley Ridley because he can't play special teams. And, you know, he's had three years to really make a go of this and he's not done it yet. Um, so maybe one of these other guys like Rodney Adams is going to be a, a, a good option. Thomas Ives, who knows? But um, I think this this is their stage. This is their audition over the next three weeks. Um, get out there, you know, knock your pan in, play in special teams. And if you get on the field to catch a ball, um, great. But if you can really show out on special teams, then that's probably going to be your, your best path into this team, considering the versatility we have at running back and the kind of main starter type guys we've got at receiver already. Yeah, I completely agree because you have to remember is this is an audition for these guys as well, these preseason games, because like that's where last season, I think, and we spoke about this, Anthony, with um, one of the agents that we had on last year, not having preseason games really affected some of the younger guys coming through. So there's going to be some guys that, people aren't going to expect that will play quite well for teams in the preseason because they didn't get a chance to last year and they're going to be desperate to make a team. So these guys that come in expecting to kind of play, you have to be ready because there's going to be guys that are going to bust their ass to make plays in special teams. Like you just have to look at Sherrick McManus for the bears for so long. He made a name for himself on special teams. He wasn't, he wasn't the best cornerback in the world. But what he did is he provided a lot of value on special teams. And if another, if a player like we've mentioned, the John Bear Johnson, he's a guy that came in a couple of weeks ago along with Justin Hardy that I think nobody really expected anything from. I haven't heard anything about Justin Hardy, but you constantly see this kid come in and make plays. One of the really good points that Chubbs made, and this can be for a couple of these wide receivers, even including Riley Ridley, is maybe these guys aren't as good as we think, and maybe they're just getting to play with a generational quarterback or just a quarterback that knows where the ball is supposed to be and has the arm talent to do that. And that's why you're kind of seeing some people say they can't wait for Justin Fields to eventually be able to play because I, I tweeted this out, I think it was yesterday or maybe it was today, that um, Justin Fields seems to be making the wide receivers better. Now, we haven't had that in Chicago for a very long time. It's always been the wide receivers need to make the quarterback better. But finally, we may have a quarterback that's actually doing the opposite, which is really important. Look, before we before we kind of finish up on some of the main training camp notes, um, obviously we have to talk about Alec Ogletree getting five interceptions in three days just ridiculous again some of those inside linebackers are going to have to watch out because this kid nobody expected it last time you saw him play with the jets he looked slow sluggish 
get looked like he could make plays. When he played for the Giants, he made a couple of plays against the Bears. Um, he's been absolutely savaging uh, Nick Foles, it seems. I think two or three of those interceptions have come against Nick Foles. But he has made some. I know there was a tip pass against Justin Fields. Um, so it is really important. Obviously, the defense looks like it's really coming in. I know Angelo Blackson today had something like two or three safeties. Now, maybe that could that might just do with the offensive line being very, very poor. Um, but we're we're just hearing more and more about some of these other guys. Like Travis Gibson is another one that people are talking about that's had a pretty good camp as well. So it's just very good to see the defense be ones that are look to be getting better. And there seems to be this kind of swagger, confidence seems to be coming back in the defense. And a lot of it has kind of stemmed from Sean Desai. And before we kind of move on to other things, because we know what to expect from the defense. But look, Anthony, I just want to get a quick note from you because that first show that we did do, we spoke about Sean Desai and how that was going to be a critical component of how successful this Bears defense can be. And you just hear, I think Travis Gibson was interviewed today and he was talking about Sean Desai. And it really looks like that all the guys are really they're trusting him, but also that they actually believe in his coaching that he's going to put them in the right position. It's the one thing I always heard about Vic Fangio. It wasn't that he, obviously, great defensive mind, but the guys always mentioned that we know that Vic will put us in the right position to make plays, and we're hearing the same things about Sean Desai, and I didn't hear that enough when Chuck Pagano was the defensive coordinator. Yeah, and I think what seems to come across on this is they seem to be having fun and they just seem to be bouncing off each other. And there was a clip uh, on, like it was one of the bear, one of the training days. And Sean Desai, I think it might even be today when they did the safety. And Sean Desai was like it was the week one, the week one game. He was on the field jumping around the place, screaming and roaring. And that's what you want from your from your defensive coordinator. He seems to have brought back what seemed like a fun element to it. The other part that I think is brilliant is they have an unbelievable, what seems like a cutthroat attitude towards the the offense. They're like, we don't care if you're Justin Fields and you're going to be with us 20 years and we're meant to help your help your attitude. We don't care. We're, we're here to make plays. We're going to make, if it means intercepting you, don't care. If it means intercepting Dalton, don't care. And they just seem to have created that intensity in training. And that seems to all come from Sean Desai and this kind of mad professor almost, this guy who seems to know a lot of information, have a lot of a pump towards it. And he's just... The, the, the confidence that seems to be coming from them is massive and it's going to be really interesting what he does with, with people like experienced vets like a Robert Quinn uh, like Eddie Jackson those kind of people that when when they kind of we hear positive stuff coming out of their mouth about Sean Desai as well um, it, it's just something that, that I'm really looking forward to and I'll be honest since Justin Fields since the trade now I've kind of forgotten a little a little bit about Sean Desai and the, and the defence and what Sean Desai can bring now look he's still got to call plays in an NFL game which he's never done before but it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be it looks like it's going to be fun and, and they're going to they're going to go after the ball again. Yeah, look, this this is the one thing that I took from it, and where Tony says <laughs> he broke the turnover rim. Look, and the guys just look like they're having fun for the first time in like two or three yeah. seasons, and that's something we didn't see. And it was a shame because that's what gave people confidence in this team that the defense could just go out there and be themselves and. It is. It's just one really important thing. Look, John also mentions here, Ogletree maybe did it himself from the camp reports. I think Ogletree has been one guy that you see comes in late into, or not so much late into camp, but middle way of camp, 
And he's one of those guys busting his ass to make a roster spot. And if anybody that we have a couple of inside linebackers that are out, some to do it, obviously COVID and then others to do with other injuries. If you have a guy that comes in, gets five interceptions, if he plays well in the first preseason game, the likes of the kind of Iggy and Josh Woods and, and the likes are going to start kind of being a little bit of itchy and scratchy because you're going to see there's a guy that's coming in, making plays every single day, no matter who, what offense he's playing against. It is, and that's what you want. You want all this competition and it will be exciting to see. I can't wait to kind of see the defense kind of come back. I know the safety position will be a little bit in flux because I don't think that Eddie Jackson or Sean Gibson will probably be playing in many of the preseason games. I would doubt that Eddie Jackson actually makes it. Um, obviously, the last kind of points in terms of guy, some guys that we're kind of hearing that have kind of done quite well, Jesse James, keep mentioning him. He's making a lot of plays. At this point in time, I think I'd be more surprised if he doesn't make the team. He just seems to be making plays pretty much every single every single day and has been one of those safety blankets, I think, that Justin Fields has had out there that when plays have broken down, you often see Justin kind of scrambling out and finding his tight end. That's really, really important that you can have another guy that is just making kind of plays. Look, one of the topics we wanted to do, and Anthony, we spoke about this a little bit on our last show, so I'm kind of going to let you kind of talk through this so people can kind of get what we're coming out of. Not so much the the breakout player of 2021, but last year a lot of people had question marks over how good can Roquan Smith be, and then suddenly 12 months later, everyone's saying is he's the captain of this defense. So I guess the whole premise of this was to find out who we think would be a player like that. Um, so do you want to explain exactly what kind of your your rationale was on this, Anthony? Yeah, my, my, my restaurant came from around 12 to 15 months ago. Remember the story of, of Roquan going on a boat that he shouldn't have gone on? Let's put it that way. And there was a lot of talk about his personality and whether it's going to impact his play and going into a big year. And is he, is he all that? That he's playing really well on the field, but is his off-field stuff going to impact him? Now here we are 12 months later and we're talking to him about, without a shadow of a doubt, getting a long-term deal and being our defensive linchpin from, from here to whenever. Um, and it got me thinking about well, what's next for some some of the players that we have at the moment. And I really was thinking about two players personally and that I thought that everyone's kind of got a bit quiet on, but it's, it's starting, we're starting to hear stuff. And since the first day Bears came back this year, Cole Komet has been just been mentioned regularly as someone that seems to be fitting into the tight end stuff. And Kieran, you say it yourself that tight ends don't really get going until year two. And I just think this time, 12 months, we're going to be looking at some a player who could, could again, use the word could, could potentially be someone that we're sitting there going, oh my God, we have, we have this we have this superstar tight end that we didn't realize we had. Um, and the other one, the other one was, it can, depends on whether Matt Nagy allows him to, but the other one would be David Montgomery. Uh, because I just think he's another one who's come back. And for some reason, he didn't think he had a good season last year. And he came to blame himself for that. Um, and if that's the case, brilliant. I can't wait to see what he does this year. But they were the two people that I was thinking were going to break through. That everyone talks about, yeah, they're, they're decent players. And I think Dave Montgomery is massively disrespected in the running back room um, of the league. And I just think those are the two players that I think might be the, not just break it, but just would, would be the ones in 12 months' time. People are like, well, they're definitely going to get contracts and stick around for a long time. Yeah. So, look, 
you you mentioned one or two there. Look, Scott, I'm going to come to you. Is there anybody that kind of comes to mind when you think of this in terms of, like we said, guys, maybe we're not saying our, I guess not loads of people are talking about right now, but that you expect in 12 months' time that they'll be kind of not so much stalwarts on the team, but definitely players that you expect to, I guess, improve over this season to where there will be a lot of people talking about them. You know, I think – Right. If, to answer that question, I think properly, you have to look at who's probably going to make the practice squad this year. Um, and one guy I would love to see, really, I'd love to see him on the field because I think it's going to be interesting to watch his progression. Uh, and that's Sam Kamara, the undrafted free agent out of Stony Brook. He's a guy who was a defensive lineman uh, at Stony Brook, an undersized one at 275 pounds, I believe. Uh and now he's working out with the edge linebackers, so as a pass rusher on the outside. And he's had his way a few times with the offensive lineman. And granted, it's an offensive lineman, you know, offensive line that has been um, suspect because of all the injuries. But this is a guy who had his way in college, and now he's having his way in the pros, and he's somebody that – I think if you're the Bears, the big thing you want to do is track his development. But when it comes – if he's not going to make the 45-man the roster on game day, kick him in the shins every week and get him injured so that uh, no, the, so that he's automatically protected uh, on the roster because I would love to see what he's going to be like, whether it's this year or next year. But he might be a monster. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because we've heard his name, I guess, over the last couple of days and a couple of plays that he's made. Corey, what about yourself? Is there anybody that kind of comes to mind when, when you think of this topic? Yeah, well, I agree with Anthony in terms of Cole Komet. I think that we are absolutely going to be utilizing um, our tight ends more this year. I think that they were completely underutilized last year. I think he's got a fantastic mentor with Jimmy Graham. I was... Um, I was listening to Three Kings of the Midway and they were talking about just the physicality, um, you know, the talent, but also the actual, his actual physical body, Cole Komet, is very similar to Gronk. Now, that's not saying he's going to become a Gronk-like player. He absolutely could be. I hope so. Um, but just in terms of him being able to block, you know, if if he's not being included in in the in the pass, that that play. He, he's huge. He can block people, right? Um, so whether we see him catching passes or he's clearing the way for people, I think Cole Komet is absolutely primed to break out. And also, you know, I'm really worried about Tariq Cohen's ACL. Um, also, according to Dr. Google, ACL recovery should be six to 12 months. We're getting to that 12-month mark, right? It was week three versus the Falcons in no uh, head of September, October. So we're getting to that 12 month mark. He's still not practicing. So I think Damian Williams could actually really break out for us. You know, he, he rushed for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He also caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. So he's kind of that dual threat that you see with David Montgomery that, you know, he, he can rush the ball, he can catch the ball. Um, you know, if, if Cohen's out, I can see him kind of being that that second running back back that we utilize. 
Um, and the player that I'm kind of hoping breaks out that we really need to break out is Jalen Rams or sorry, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about our, uh, cornerback situation. So, uh, I'm, I don't know if he will, I'm just praying and hoping that he breaks out basically. Yeah. Some really good, um, choices there, Tony, uh, what about yourself? There's, there's been a lot of different ones there. Um, are you in agreement with some of the choices that the guys have mentioned so far? Yeah, I again having a wee think about it, I'd initially thought of Cole Komet again. Um, I think obviously, as we mentioned earlier on, he's had that awkward learning curve of being a tight end in, in his first year in the league, and it's always going to be difficult. Um, and uh, and I think one of the huge factors for him as well this year is having an actual off season. Um, you know, we, we didn't have that last year. And the same goes for Darnell Mooney as well, who's another guy that I think, you know, as as uh, um, was mentioned, as a guy that could potentially break out as well. So I think both of them are on the same kind of boat. Um, Mooney in himself showed a lot of promise last year, despite the fact that he didn't have that huge um, off-season. Off um, and, and Cole Komet, as I said, he's coming along. Um, Jimmy... Graham is probably not going to be here next year. So, you know, Kokomet needs to go out there, stick his flag in the ground and say, you know, this is, I'm, I'm tight end one, you know. So um, th those are a couple of big ones. Again, I agree with Corey as well, with Damian Williams. Um, I think he's going to become a big go-to guy in both the, the run game and the passing game. Um, he's apparently looked quite sharp so far. Um, and, uh, you know, he's not lost a step since... Um, competing in the the Super Bowl, where he should have probably been the the MVP, um, you know, well over a year ago. So, and I think especially as you say with Tariq Cohen coming off that torn ACL, um, Williams is going to be relied upon a lot. You know, speaking from a guy who's torn his ACL before, um, you know, you've got the initial recovery time, which is the twelve months, but then it's all in your head after that. You know, you you don't fully commit to doing things because you think it's going to go again. You know, or you know, even the smallest kind of things like jumping down from a wall or leaping over something you're like oh no what if it goes what if it goes it's just it's in your head um so i think cohen's gonna you know hopefully it doesn't but you could potentially have issues getting over that aspect of it um and i think the last one i would say as well um just if we're talking about players that we're going to look back on in 12 months and go yeah um you know we're talking about this guy now i, I think you can't not mention um, if he gets the opportunity, is is Justin Fields as well? You know, I, I hope we're looking back in twelve months' time and having this conversation about him because at the end of the day, he's he's the main guy moving forward, regardless of any of these other guys that we're talking about. You know, so um, I I would hope that that we're having this conversation about him then, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, I thought everybody was going to leave an absolute slime dump for me there. Um, but look, the other two guys that I kind of thought of when. Anthony came up with this and it, it's actually a similar, I guess, strategy to what Corey was saying. And my, my one was Khalil Herbert because you look at him and he's everybody is saying how impressive he is. With Tariq Cohn, I don't know how he's doing with the ACL because nobody else does. Some people, like I said in one of our previous shows, some people says he kind of has a limp, <laughs> other people say he doesn't, and just the fact that he hasn't come back. But it, I, I can't remember exactly when he got injured last year, if it was around October, November time. 
it should be less than a year really you're looking at probably nine months but as someone very much like yourself Tony who has torn their ACL before a lot of it is mental uh, people in Chicago know it obviously because of everything that Derek Rose went through that for a guy like Cone that a lot of his game is that change of direction it's difficult when you take your ACL and that's what I've always said since I don't know if Tariq Cone is going to be that same guy that we saw before so then you have to kind of project okay who could have that same impact and the one guy that keeps coming to my mind every time I've kind of seen whether it's the clips or going back to look at him in college again it just seems to be Khalil Herbert and I can't wait to see him in some of these games the other guy that kind of comes to mind is because he's starting to get the first team reps and some people have mentioned it in the chat as well is Kendall Vildor because he's a guy that I was impressed with in the season last year the fact that he's starting to get some reps with the first team is really really positive um but those would be the two Scott you were saying that you possibly have one more that somebody steal your thunder no nobody's nobody's stolen it because you know like here's the thing you know we th- normally when we think of breakout players we think of guys that either haven't played or d- barely played and you know are going to make their sudden mark on this year's team I think the breakout player for 2021, and I'm not saying like I, I mentioned Sam Kamara earlier, and I do like the way that that his game translates to the NFL. But I think the guy who's going to be the, probably the player of the year, well, two the two that are going to be the players of the year are the ones that are playing for a contract, and that's Roquan Smith and David Montgomery. They're pretty much going to be the guys that are going to be the guys who are going to lead this team, no matter what. Justin Fields or Andy Dalton do, no matter what Jalen Johnson or Khalil Mack or whomever else on the defense do, Roquan Smith is the leader of that defense. And David Montgomery right now is motivated and hungry, and he wants to be the leader of the offense. Not Allen Robinson, who's disgruntled with with management. You have a guy that's like, he's he said he was ranked 25th uh, on one of those video clips from uh, from practice this preseason as a running back. And he wants to prove to everybody that there aren't 24 better guys in the NFL at his position than him. So I think this is going to be a big test for Montgomery this year to prove them right or to prove them wrong and a test for that offensive line to make sure that he gets every single yard that he deserves. Yeah, look, I I agree. Like My only biggest thing is, whether with Matt Nagy they actually do dedicate time to the running game and that's until they prove to me that they can do that I find it hard to for a guy like David Montgomery that is going to be that kind of main workhorse running back that isn't kind of the guy that you're always going to see kind of slide out all the time which I see in terms of like the Tariq Cohen where we see kind of how he broke out and why I kind of mentioned Khalil Herbert but I completely agree and the, the fact that we can mention nine ten different guys is important because before we probably would have all just came up with the same one and that's that's definitely a positive kind of moving forward so look i think it's it's really important to kind of see that um we've mentioned kind of to a certain point one of the topics that we wanted to kind of talk about today as well was some of the training camp disappointments and we've mentioned some of these guys already the first one that came to my mind was obviously uh was obviously Wims again still not making plays has this kind of second chance I guess with the Bears 
Um, but look, just kind of a, a quick point to, to each of you, I guess, uh, on this one. So, Anthony, is there anybody that maybe you've kind of either has done a couple of bad things in terms of what we've heard or just we haven't heard of enough to why that will kind of disappoint you so far because you maybe expected a little bit more? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, get, I get the question. I know what you're saying. I'm going to flip it a little bit because it's still something that's annoyed me. And it's the press conference that Nick Foles did. I think that's yeah. the most disappointing thing of this whole training camp because everything was so positive in Chicago. Everything was so positive in what it is. And this bum, because that's what I'm going to start calling him now, he's a bum, uh, decides to come in and, and has a pop at everybody. Um, I'd be the first one to have a pop at Matt Nagy. Well, I don't think it was Nagy's fault that Nick Foles couldn't walk or crawl out of a out of a out of a pocket. Um I think it's it's just disappointing, it's disrespectful and it, it, it jumps in the face of everyone saying how nice a guy Nick Foles was and how good a teammate he was. Compare Nick Foles to what Andy Dalton is doing. And I know people are calling Andy Dalton trash. I know they are, but compare the two of them. Which was which one is the professional? Andy Dalton came in on a one year contract and suddenly we've we've got our franchise quarterback coming on. And in 12 months' time, Andy Dalton knows he's not going to be the quarterback at Chicago Bears. But still, he turns up a training. Still, he does his Q&As. And he doesn't bitch and moan. Nick Foles is still getting paid quite well by the Chicago Bears. And he's getting the disrespectful stuff where he's talking about just... The, the whole press conference is wrong. Somebody said, actually, Corey mentioned him, the three, ways, three kings in the midway made a great point. Why is the third-string quarterback getting an interview anyway? What's he doing? Yeah. Why, are we, why are we giving him an interview? So if we've learned anything from this episode, is don't let him anywhere near a mic anymore. He's a moron. It's not even, it's not even that, because I, I completely agree with you, and I kind of went on a little bit of a rant in our last podcast about Nick Foles. But my one is, why is he getting any reps at all? At, at the end of the day, he's not going to get a chance to play, because we've already said Justin Fields is going to be the backup. So you're not going to activate three quarterbacks on game day. It's, it's not going to happen. I, it's they're not all going to make the 53 man roster either either way so for me i'm like i don't understand why nick falls getting any reps because surely even if it is against the thirds like it would make sense to just have justin fields get all the reps for the seconds and the thirds until you're going to bring them up and play against the first team defense with the first team offense so right now i i think it's it's absolutely ridiculous i know the only reason they did it was they were getting all the quarterbacks to speak but to be fair who wants to hear from Nick Foles? Nobody. And and that's the thing. Look, he's become a bit of a laughing stock, even like because we hear him talking about basically talking shit about his teammates, about his coaches, about the organization, about the fans, really. It's like you said, Anthony, it's a bit of a slap in the face. And now all the fans are getting are actually happy now when you see Alec Ogletree pick him off three times in two days, and you're seeing guys kind of slack him off. And look. At the end of the day, we all know eventually he's not going to be on this team. But what we want to do is, I would say, whatever you can get from him, trade him now. Like, we don't need him being here. The only, look, the only thing that he can actually bring that might help this team is the fact that he'll play that third preseason game and Justin Fields doesn't have to play it. Because, again, that game is just going to be the backups that aren't going to, most of them up make the 53-man roster. And it's really a, is one of the more useless games because in those games, typically maybe three or four guys actually make the roster. Um, so that I can only imagine maybe that's the only reason they're keeping him until then. I would not be surprised at the minute or the day after that third preseason game, 
that he gets traded, something along the lines of that. But look, it's one of those that we keep talking about. I think I'm, I'm just going to get very angry about Nick Falls because he's not, he wouldn't be one of my uh, favorite players. Anyway, there's a, obviously there's a couple of comments here. So Tim makes a very good comment. So Falls being shown off to get him traded, possibly. Wait, um, though. Wait, bring back, bring back Tim's comment right there. Yeah. Okay. Now, Tim, while I I do agree with your point that Foles is, you know, you got to get him some reps so that people can say, oh, yeah, you know, he's good enough to, to make this team. I haven't seen him complete a pass yet, like a real one. Now, I'm not talking about, like, screen passes or, you know, passes into the flat or two-yard outs. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a real pass. Haven't seen him commit, uh, complete one, not one. How do you get traded off of a guy who can't throw anything? I've seen him almost get intercepted, uh, I believe it's seven times. Uh, gotten intercepted, I believe it's like seven times. This guy, like, you can't trade that. You can trade that and maybe a deep dish pizza for, I don't know, um, a bucket of balls and some sunflower seeds. That's about all you can get for Nick Foles right now. But according to him, he's in the best shape mentally and physically that he's been in his career. He's in better shape than when he won the Super Bowl. I mean, how, how did how, how did they how did they win the Super Bowl? If he's if he's better now, how did they win the Super Bowl? And you know what? To go off of your point, Anthony, compare Nick Foles to Mitch Trubisky because yes. for all of his faults. Mitch Trubisky never threw anybody under the bus. He always took everything on his shoulders. He always took full responsibility for everything that was happening with the offense. And it wasn't all his fault. You know, I think that we can say now that it it wasn't all on his shoulders. He was a crappy player and, and fit in his scheme, but he never threw it back on the coach or the organization. And that I completely agree. That has been the most disappointing aspect of training camp. Nick Foles completely threw the entire organization under the bus, called everybody mediocre, when in reality, he's the only mediocre player on that roster right now. And he's getting paid the highest out of all the quarterbacks. So sit down, Nick Foles. I am so sick of this guy. I'm Ooh, sick of him. Get rid of him. Trade him. Do whatever you have to do. Corey, were yeah. you about to curse? Were you about to curse? I, I, just, I was. I thought I heard that little, that, that slight pause between yeah. sit and down that was going to have two other words in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Corey. Yeah. Bring, no, that, bring that but, passion right there. But, but that's all it is. Like for – for a guy that, like Corey mentions, he's being the highest paid quarterback on the team and you're still here. Like, when you're getting paid that much, most players that are respectable, you shut up until you leave. This is something you normally hear when a guy leaves somewhere. You're still there. And the fact that he's still getting all these reps, even though he has done all this, it, it boggles my mind because, again, I can only think of the only reason he's still on this team is because they know that in that third preseason game, they don't want to play Justin Fields. They don't want to play Andy Dalton because it's meaningless. It's the most meaningless game rather than the game we just saw, what was it, a couple of nights ago in terms of the Hall of Fame game where pretty much nobody plays. That third preseason game, like I said, it's the guys that are auditioning for other teams mostly. So, it, look, it's, it's important that the Bears can trade him. It doesn't matter what you get back. I don't care if it's a seventh round pick in 2031. 
Just you just need to get rid of this guy because again, you want to have a team that's united and the way he's acting, it's just not that. Look, Tony, haven't I got a chance to come to you? So I'm gonna to come to you on, on Nick Foles before we move on to some of our kind of crazy predictions for the year. So uh what's your opinions on everything that's kind of gone on with Nick Foles? Yeah, I mean, he's he's coming across as a, a as a bit of an arse. To be fair, um, you know, you, you just don't you don't throw your team under the bus, regardless of what you think of Nagy or whatever. You know, he's still the coach. You know, there's a really good feeling in the organisation just now, and it just takes that type of thing to ruin it for everybody else. Um, you know, have your issues with people, um, and talk to them. You know, face to face. You know, don't don't go out in the media and, and do it in a press conference. The weird, the one thing that I took from it as well though was uh, I, maybe I heard them wrong, but I think they said they'd already had possible trade discussions at some point before, but it had been kind of shot down because it wasn't the right situation. So for me, if this guy's sitting there blocking trades as well, you know, for me, if I'm the Bears, I'm like, well, why are we why are we giving this guy any say on what's going on here at all? He's sitting here bad-mouthing us, just get him the hell out of here. You know, like, and and that's it. You know, if, it would be different if he was showing the same level of respect to you and you could say, you know what, Nick, that's cool. You know, I like you. Let's wait and see if we can get a better fit for you. But I'm sorry if you're going to be sitting bad-mouthing the team, bringing everybody down, not being a good teammate. Um, cheerio. You know, it, it just it needs to go and it needs to go now. Um, and whatever offer comes in, if it's a trade for nothing, I mean, I would literally not take any picks back in return just to trade them because the advantage is we have $4 million there to spend on a potential new tackle or, you know, corner or whatever at some point down the line, or you just have this, some backup money at some down, some point down the line. Um, but yeah, you need to get rid of them and not really overthink it because there's no place for him in this team. And I think the only reason he's getting reps, as one of the guys said as well, was just because it's early on in camp, everybody's getting some reps, um, but they are valuable reps um, that could be going to fields and, or, or other guys, or maybe bringing in a young third QB who could sit in your practice squad and, and come along that way. You know, there's, he's taken up space, um, and uh, I've got a real, real problem in Nick Foles at the minute. Yeah, one thing actually that I was just thinking of as we are kind of talking about it, and it kind of comes to this question in terms of the Colts and the Jets. Now, look, I don't know if he's rejected the Jets. That could be a possibility because I know, like you mentioned, Tony, that he has kind of said that he, certain teams he doesn't want to go to. But one thing that kind of came out today was that Denzel Mims is on kind of the bubble to actually make the Jets roster. And he is a guy I really liked in the 2020 draft where he definitely has that possibility of he would definitely be a guy obviously if he got cut I would hope the Bears would kind of bring in because I think he has a lot of ability and if even if it was something like that if you're just trading one for one it would it would be beneficial but look uh, it's very hard to know kind of what's going to happen with Foles I think no matter what the Bears just need to get him traded like you said save that four million dollars so then you have a little bit of wiggle room for bringing players in and out for the season because i think that's what a couple of people were a little bit worried about um when we were kind of talking about it um i know we we're kind of talking about all this training camp disappointment but i think anthony bringing up this point i think this has been 
the main disappointment of training camp because obviously we've spoken about the offensive line injury concerns, but there's not there's not too much more we can really talk about. It's only been a week. Look, I'll come I'll come to each of each of the rest of you just if, if you have any other ones before we kind of move on. So Scott, is there anything else you can kind of think of in terms of any disappointments or maybe players that you would have hoped to hear more about that we haven't really got to see too much and probably have to wait for the preseason games. I think the, the, you know, you, you mentioned the offensive line injuries. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum uh, here on this show and we've talked about, and, you know, I'm not saying that Nick Foles play is a disappointment because I mean, granted, yes, it has been, but I think the way that he handled everything and, you know, that's, that's the more the disappointment than anything else uh, about Nick Foles with the Bears. But I think the other, you know, one guy that we haven't seen enough of, and even when he was out there during this training camp, I th- think we all wish that he would have done more, would be somebody like a Desmond Trufant. Um, you know, he just hasn't, you know, we've heard Jalen Johnson, you know, knocking passes away. I think he's intercepted a couple, but not many. Uh, Thomas Graham has had one heck of a of a preseason training camp so far. Um, Kendall Vildor is starting to make some plays now. Somebody's got to lay down that or you know not knock down that CB two uh, position. And you would think that Trufant would be that guy, the the veteran, the longtime veteran, somebody that understands the game that really could just step in or should be able to just step in and be that guy. And so far, I mean, and granted, he's missed some with uh, with injuries, but I need somebody to step in, and Trufant should have been that guy, and he so far just hasn't been. Yeah, it's an interesting one, because I was listening to Dan Weeder on ESPN um, a couple, I think it was last week, and he was saying that basically it's Kindle Vildor, because he's the one that's going in there making plays, and actually he's hasn't been as worried about the Bears cornerbacks compared to the actual safety position because obviously both starting safeties are out injured. And that's actually good to hear that the corners are looking good. And that's what will be interesting when we do get the Dolphins to have this joint practice. We'll see how they come up against some of these guys. I really like the confidence that Jalen Johnson has played with. Uh, Corey, what about yourself? Is there anything that you would say other than kind of what we've talked about in terms of disappointments if, is there any player that maybe you expected to hear a little bit more of, but there hasn't really been that much so far? Um, well, uh, I'm completely on board with with uh, Trufant. He's coming off an injury-ridden season, and he's injured again, you know, <laughs> in training camp. So, you know, how how much can we expect out of him and – and we, we need a lot of production out of him, obviously, you know, with Kyle Fuller out, we, we need them to step up just like you were talking about Kieran. And, you know, I think Kendall Wilder is absolutely staking a claim for, for, you know, at least a slot corner, um, which is great, but we, we need that, that corner too. And Trufant was, was absolutely for all intents and purposes supposed to be that guy. So um, Scott kind of stole my thunder. He was, he was at the top of my list there. <laughs> all right. My bad. I, I reverse everything I said. Go ahead, Corey. Say it again. <laughs> ditto. Ditto. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, Tony, um, 
what about what about yourself is there any player that maybe you're hoping to hear a little bit about that just haven't heard that much because again look we only really get if it wasn't for the fans being there we would get absolutely nothing because there's only so much the beat reporters can put out there and the fact is that we get a two-minute clip from the bears we get the interviews yes the dallas cowboys are I think they're with I think they are doing joint practices with the LA Rams and it's the entire thing is being streamed on on YouTube. Like that's where this doesn't make sense to me. I think for me that's the biggest disappointment from training camp that we don't get to see we don't get to see anything other than what fans have to go and, and tell us and even they're not letting fans when they go to Hallis Hall take videos they can only tweet about it. I, I find it's ridiculous. But Karen, I think you're also when you talk about the 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 Rams and the and the Cowboys joint practice. And by the way, uh, Aaron Donald got uh, dis- he was very disappointed that he got blocked by Connor Williams today and started a fight in practice. So uh, it just shows that uh, Aaron Donald can be blocked, and also uh, C.D. Lamb put uh, Jalen Ramsey in the dust. So it just shows. And granted, Darnell Mooney did that last year too. So. Uh, Jalen Ramsey can get got, and so can Aaron Donald. But getting back to the original point, I think you're missing – like I, I understand what you're saying, not disagreeing with your point. But I think when it comes to the Cowboys, there's a reason why they are called America's team. I mean, well, there's – tech technically, I know what the reason is, and you know we can explain that another day. But they are still the most popular team on the planet. There's a reason why Jerry Jones pretty much started the NFL Network with his own money, with the league's blessing, but it was his money that made the NFL Network. So anything that Jerry Jones wants to do, the NFL is pretty much going to let him. Everybody else is a little more tight with their money and with their their modes of operation. So the Bears aren't going to do, and you know the Rams aren't going to do what uh, what the Cowboys do, and Dolphins, Broncos, you don't see the Ravens may be about the more the most open outside of the Cowboys. But that's about it. So I I understand where you're coming from and yes, we as fans would love to be able to uh to and bloggers and podcasters, we'd love to be able to see more of what the Bears are doing. But I get why the Cowboys are streaming everything. And plus all that's going to be on hard knocks anyway. So yeah, you no, know, no. they're, they're going to be more open about it anyway. Can I come in on that? Sorry. The, the thing I'd say on that, and I get you, I think that's your point, Scott. The thing I get on that is it's just very annoying that it's one minute, 19 seconds. It was one minute, 21 seconds the day before. It was one minute, 28 seconds the day before that. The reason I know that is because I look up all the time looking for it. And that is the crap we get. It is unbelievably disrespectful to the fans who can't get to Chicago to watch those things. It's unbelievably disrespectful to people like Karen and myself or other people, Tony, people from all around the world who watch our show, who get to get one minute, 17 seconds from the Chicago Bears that they pick. They could do five minutes, they can do eight minutes, they can do ten minutes, and he still doesn't give away the family jewels. Because I was told that as well. Oh, but people will be watching it and they'll give away. No, they can't. They, they can make up stuff. It is something that I'm with Karen 100 percent on this. It is a disgrace what the Chicago Bears PR team are doing. It's a disgrace what they do towards their fans that aren't able to go to the camp. And even the guys that go to the camp, 
Scott, I think you said you were going, or you maybe going. They're like five miles back. So people are like, was that Wims that caught the ball? Was that A-Rob? That, they don't care. At the moment, Chicago Bears had, this is the biggest opportunity they had. Sorry, I wasn't going to do a rant, but I'm doing a rant on this. Chicago Bears had a big opportunity with Justin Fields coming in, and they had this draft class that was there, and they finally got the fan base behind them. And you know what they did? They went, screw that. We'll do what we want like we ever do. We'll just do what we continue to do. And they don't care about their fan base when they do stuff like that. And it makes me live it. Look, yeah, Dad's Newsom. Yeah. But Dad's Newsom. <laughs> look, look, I, look I, I, I get it in terms of like the team, but there's no reason that fans shouldn't be allowed to take videos because look, what the hell are the Bears hiding? Like they've done this for years. We still haven't won anything in years. So like you're not exactly hiding any secrets out there. Like at the end of the day, if a team really wanted to go and spy on you, they could easily go and spy on you. They can get a guy to go down and watch your practices, filming on his phone if. They're really going to be that. That doesn't really happen that often in the NFL. And by the time it gets to the regular season, the coaches know what you're doing anyway. And then it's all about a strategy. So for me, I, I agree with you, Anthony. I think that the content that they put out is not good enough. It doesn't have to be where they stream the entire thing. But to give your fan base a minute and 19 seconds or a minute and 21 seconds, like, do at the end of each week even like a 15 minute of the the program that they gave us before in terms of showing the background of the draft if you do something like that to give your fan base a little bit more insight it doesn't have to be purely just the the practices it can be talking to some of the players anything like that it's i just find it's they're not doing themselves any service because again their fan base are starved for some of this look tony we'll, we'll finally get to you on, on on your disappointment so go ahead you know just off the, the the back of what you guys were talking about as well i mean it is that was that was funnily enough one of the issues i had i had kind of thought to myself was in terms of the training cap availability um video availability all that kind of stuff um you know it, it shouldn't matter if anybody can see what you're doing in practice you know, even if they can see what you're doing in practice, if you go out there and execute it properly, then you should still you should still be able to to to, to deliver and, and do it properly. Regardless, you know, the videos are um are, are pretty bad. They are getting shorter and shorter. Three weeks from now, we'll probably be watching 25 second clips uh, and trying to guess what happens. But I think that goes hand in hand as well um, with this uncertainty surrounding injuries and people don't know the extent of injuries and they don't know if the the club are being completely open and honest with everybody in terms of what's happening with the injuries so you combine that with the secret the secretiveness of camp and uh you know not showing things off and as a fan you're just like what the hell is going on here do you know what I mean until we actually see people playing in pre-season we're not actually going to get the full kind of proper experience of what we're going to expect from the Bears this year. And even in that, you're not going to because it's a preseason game. So you really have no idea going in. So we're speculating about breakout players and disappointments. And this is all on the back of some guy on Twitter who's posting 12-second videos or someone's opinion who's completely different from some other guy's opinion on the same thing that's just happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's really, really difficult to make any sort of evaluation. And I think the, the club are being so 
secretive and standoffish and creating barriers with the fans that is beginning to piss off a lot of the fans, um, you know, for, for those reasons. But so, yeah, just mention on that. And in terms of general disappointments I had, other than that, you know, not seeing some of the um, potential key guys out there like Eddie Jackson. Now, obviously, that's not his fault that he's injured. I would have liked to have seen, you know, how sharp he is, how he's looking, all that kind of stuff, you know, heading into the season, especially considering last season, I feel personally he didn't have a, a very good year. You know, he forgot how to tackle sometimes. Um, and, you know, guys like Tevin Jenkins, it would have been great to see him, you know, getting, building a relationship with the rest of the guys on, on the O-line. So those are the disappointments for me is not seeing individual players starting to do things. And the likelihood would be with a lot of the, the vets like Eddie Jackson, as we probably won't see them until um, week one against the Rams. That'll be the first time that, that we find out how they're going to how they're going to uh, operate this year. So, yeah, a um, couple of different issues, but you know, for me, I totally agree with the the whole training camp aspect. It is a shambles, and they really need to rethink it for next year as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think we're not going to get any <laughs> any changes from the Bears, so it's it's just going to be one of those things that fans are going to have to deal with. Hopefully, over the coming years, hopefully. COVID kind of slows down a little bit to where more fans can go and you will get more information because right now we're, you're kind of relying on a couple of guys that are going there from Bears Twitter and you kind of find out that way. But look, the, the way we want to end the show today is we've mentioned it a couple of times on our Twitter page that the Irish Bears show have their first fantasy football competition. And we have... Obviously, all of us, and there's a couple of other guys that have been regulars on the show previously that are involved, but we will be picking kind of, I think what we said is we'll probably pick four, um, four people to join the league. Again, it's just a bit of fun to kind of get some of the subscribers involved in kind of what we're doing here. So everybody realize that I guess this show is for everybody um, because that's what we do this for. So look, the... The first couple ones, look, we already know one of these that uh, Anthony's just going to be like pounding the table for. So what we basically got was I put out this post on on Twitter probably about a week ago, two weeks ago, to put in for guys to put in their funniest kind of fantasy football names. And we would discuss it on the show today and pick the guys that are going to be put in. So without further ado, we'll go with the first one, which obviously I think Anthony's going to be putting as his favorite one. JJ, you're a legend. So yeah, basically JJ, and here here we go. JJ is in the comments. Yes, baby. Yes, JJ. <laughs> I'm all on board with JJ. On one condition, JJ, you don't take Daz in round one, my man. Yeah, so basically what we what we will have to agree on something is maybe we need to put like Anthony as the number one pick just so he has to take Daz Newsom. But uh or or Cairo Santos, one of one of those. But yeah, look, that was the first one. I thought that was very original, very, very funny. Um, um for me it's way, it's good, yeah. By the way, we need to discuss this. Can Lionel Messi be the backup to Cairo Santos? I think that's a legitimate question that we Might need. Be a answer. little bit too expensive. Not a half a million a week now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Look, uh, I find I found that this name was very, very original, very, very funny, and for me, it was definitely one of the no doubters. <laughs> anyway, look, uh, Corey, Tony, do you have 
any opinions on that name. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. I, yes, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're off, to, we're off to a very good start. So then I have a couple of the guys that I just have their kind of um, Twitter handles. So again, guys, anybody that's in the comments, if you like any of these, make sure that you do put it put that in as well because it'd be very funny. So we have Chuckles41. So he said, having a fields day. So that was an interest. That was an interesting one. Um, we have Anthony. Any thoughts on on this particular name? Look, it's it, yeah, it's a meh. Sorry, Juggles, it's a meh. It's one of those yeah. ones where it's like you know, could have done better. Like it's kind, it's kind of like uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see, let's see what the rest of it. Let's see, like this is this is. Like, yeah, it's, you got to do better. We've got, we've got a measuring stick now. We've got a measuring stick. So yeah. Let's go from there. Exactly. So our measuring stick right now is JJ's with the Tasmanian yes. Devil. So that's our measuring stick so far. So then we have, I think it's Cross 244, so License to Khalil. So that was a that was an interesting one. So what do we think about this particular name? Well, it's encroaching on my your Khalil and me Smalls name a little bit. <laughs> oh, we might have a we might have a problem then. I'll I'll allow it. I'll allow them in the competition, but you know they're they're going towards the bottom of the pack for me. <laughs> okay, so we, we still have JJ out in front. So can anybody come out towards the end? So one of the other guys that um, invited me onto one of his podcasts actually put his stuff in, and he said Zeke and destroy. Um, so what do we think of this one? Nah, uh, it's original. I, I mean, I, I like the I like the originality of it, but eh. yeah, I, I I found the same. Probably eh, it's okay, but look, the next one I think was maybe a little bit too simple. Um, and it was from Martin, just De Beers. Look, uh, that would be, uh, look, sometimes the more simpler things are the best things. Maybe we yeah, think look, too, uh, too much about this. Yeah, yeah uh, look, I, I have to say, I like beer. I'm an Irish man, so if you're, it, if it you're definitely a hits fan, me there. If you're a Packer fan, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Look, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to the next one. I, I think, again, that's kind of one of the mecca. So, again, right now we just have JJ where everybody was happy with. So, the next one was this master good. So we had bears, Blarney, and Bullocks. So I think he was trying to go with a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a naughty word, as he'll say, but didn't actually want to spell it properly. Um, but what, but what, what did uh, we think of this? I think if you just stuck with it, with the actual proper sweetie word, I, I'd probably like it a bit more. You know, this, you censored yourself there. Yeah, I, I think you've ruined it. I think you've ruined oh, no, it. No, unless, unless it's Sandra Bullock. Oh, oh well, yeah. Just the Bullock family. She, she just decided to. What, what does she if, have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, here's, okay, but here's here's the thing that I think. She doesn't all, even. She's a bear fan, eh? Wait, wait, wait. If 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 we have to assume things or ask questions, it's a terrible name. <laughs> Move on. Going well, mate. Okay. Okay. So we have Hi, the Simon. We have the Simon Cowell of the of the panel right over there with, with Scott. <laughs> All right. So the next one. I know a couple of the guys really like this name. So Sean. So SP Cool K. So Bears Beats and Battlestar Galactica. Yes, Sean. Yeah. Yes, Sean. That is literally. That's the office. Brilliant. You're just yes, naming Sean. three really good things, and, that, and <laughs> it sells it to me. 
you should be in marketing or advertising, Sean. Well done. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Next one is we have one of these guys in the comments right now. So our good friend, Bruja, yes, with, yes, a very, with a very, very simple one. Packers suck. This was one of my personal <laughs> favorites. Yes, Bruja. Yeah. So he, he, he's hitting all the right notes here, to be fair. He's he's gone about it the right way. I mean, it's a shoe in surely. Well, see, and look, he, he put his comment in here, and what one, one of my favorite parts of it, honestly, was he put it all in caps. It's something, <laughs> it's something, it's something as simple as it. It's just when you go and you go to Soldier Field and you see a, a Packers fan, you just yell at them, Packers. So it, it hit the right note. We need Bruja Seven to uh, say it with the Irish brogue, though. The Irish, yes. the Irish dialect. Packers. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Dude, was that Irish? <laughs> I don't know what I, I, it was. As close as I can get being being the guy from you know from from the Chicago area living in Milwaukee. Look, I'm trying. <laughs> All right. So uh, I could do it in Scottish, was... but that would mean I'm just uh. doing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next one, which I thought was very funny, but then I know Scott's gonna be have his Simon Cowell uh, voice coming out here. But uh, we have forgetting Brandon Marshall. Very original. I like the originality. But are you talking about the wide receiver that formerly played for the Bears and like 80 other teams? Or the linebacker, Brandon Marshall? So, again, if you have any questions, you got you to gotta move on. Yeah. To, to be fair, this was one of my personal favorites. I thought it was a, it was a good one. Um, anybody else have any thoughts on this one? I... Forgetting Sarah Marshall is one of my absolute favorite movies. It is one of the funniest <clears throat> movies out there, I think. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. Yeah. This is where it gets very, or it gets very, very tricky because this next one was a very good one. This guy is also in the comments. And when I was talking to you guys before the show, a lot of people like this one as well. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> this guy. John, you my man. You my man. I love this one. This one's a keeper. I don't care about anybody else. I can remove my team. That's a keeper. Do you like go this ahead, one, Scott? John. <laughs> I can't tell what you think about it. Is that, is that a positive, Scott? No, not at all. <laughs> okay, so that's also, I think, one of the higher benchmark ones. That Again, very original. Very, I think, on the money on topic. So... I, I like that one a lot as well. We're coming up to the last one now. So we have is McMahon's headband. So again, we've had some, I, I, again, I was kind of like eh, on this one, but I don't know what you guys think. Agreed. I think if it was, yeah. was McMahon's sweaty headband, maybe. Yeah, he missed the sweaty part. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I mentioned it a couple of times on Twitter, and this is why you have to, uh, you do need to follow us, because it's unfortunate that Tony didn't kind of go in on, or didn't put his name in earlier, because this is a, a very good one. <laughs> so, it, it's just too bad. Look, we did put it up a lot of the times on Twitter for people to go in. So Can we play, look, the, can we play the music, though? <laughs> when Irish upon the star, Simon Cowell's coming out again, guys. <laughs> There's a mute button somewhere there on that one. That's a tremendous effort of that. Okay, so it's I public think, domain what, music, so we can do that. Yeah, 
<laughs> okay, so I think what we can probably agree on so far is first one with JJ with yep. the Tasmanian Devil. That's one absolute one. Obvi- yeah, obviously, I think Scott would probably have a heart attack if we didn't say. Yeah, no, like I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, so yeah, so we have Alan Robinson neighborhood again. One of them that I was just very happy with because it was simple but perfect was Packer Packer suck from Bruja. Now this is where we have, I guess, two kind of difficult ones because it's two that people that they liked. Uh, Well, actually, there's three. So we have between. Cross 244, the license to Khalil. We have Sean with his Bears, Beats, and Battlestar Galactica. Or we have Forgetting Brandon Marshall. So, again, what do you guys think for this? Okay, I I think I really like Bears, Beats, and Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, but I think we have to disqualify him because Beats is supposed to be B-E-E-T-S because Dwight Schrute owned a beet farm. Yes, and he's spelled yeah. it B-E-A-T-S. So I know it's super technical. I'm a grammar nerd, but that's my personal opinion. Okay. Uh, I, I, maybe he's, he's urban. Talking I, 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 like, maybe he's like, urban like, and, you know, he's talking about, like, actual beats, you know. But then what's the reference? What yeah. What is Bears, Beats, yeah. and Galactica? I yeah, think I'm he's just... literally just named three things that he really likes. Bears, music, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> The X Files almost and, made it as well. Then why not just name, why not just name it? You know, Bears music and TV. Sandwiches. Because that, that, that's not as funny, Scott. That's why. Why? Okay. I'm just All right. Look, I, I I kind of I, I kind of agreed because when I first read it, I was like, oh, and then that's where I kind of got. I'm like, oh, it's just the beats part that I didn't actually catch. Um, so that's definitely a possibility. So for me, when I was kind of looking at this, the two that did kind of reach out for the last kind of the fourth one was the license to Khalil or the forgetting Brandon Marshall. So what do we think of these last two? I'll let you guys talk. So Anthony, you look like you're about to spew something out there. No, they're, yeah, they're not bad. I mean, forgetting Brandon Marshall is probably, probably my preferable one of the two because it gets to the, the whole Sarah Marshall film and it's smart use of players and it can be both players they could use either one of them uh, to go to Simon Carroll Scott's point earlier on so I think yeah yeah probably leaning towards that one okay Scott is there any those two or is there any other ones that you uh, particularly liked no I think I feel like forgetting Brandon Marshall is uh, probably the more original of, of the two and probably the less cheesy one. Um, so, and no offense to what, what was the guy's name? Put, put the license to Khalil back up. Sorry, cross two forty four. I didn't mean, I'm not trying to rain on your parade. That is not what this is. Uh, but I really did. I like the originality of forgetting Brandon Marshall and it really made me uh, think and laugh at the same time. So very I'm gonna look. go with I'm gonna go with forgetting Brandon Marshall. I, I'm assuming uh, Corey, considering you were saying that forgetting Sarah Marshall is one of your favorite movies, that that's definitely gonna be the one for you. Yep, absolutely, got it. Yeah, and uh, Tony, last last one. Do you do you agree with the guys, or do you want to be the contrarian and be like, no, 
license to Khalil is the way to go. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm going to stick with the with the minority, sorry, the majority here, and go with uh, forgetting Brandon Marshall as well. Sorry, did we did we eliminate the Battlestar Galactica guy? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we Corey came up with a technicality on grammar. Ah, uh, well, in that case, I don't care. Then pick whatever one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair enough. Look, the way the way this has gone is very simply. If anybody watches kind of any of those got talent like shows, Anthony put his golden buzzer in for this one. <laughs> Scott has put his golden buzzer in for for this, and we agreed on the other ones. So, so every so everybody that will be on, I will be contacting you over on Twitter. I'll be sending you the link and the password to be able to join. Um, again, we will be looked at the fantasy draft or will probably be going ahead a, a week before the season starts. Um, so again, just watch out for that. I will be contacting you based on that as well. And just as a bit of a fun thing that will happen is we will stream that live to see some people's very funny reactions. If somebody takes Daz Newsome away from Anthony or Cairo Santos, that'll be a very funny situation. Um, and I think it will be a... How we will uh, laugh. Oh, how we will uh, laugh. How we will all laugh. <laughs> yeah, do some number one pick for Anthony, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, uh, there's a couple of good comments in here. So, best of luck to those that made the cut from the old school McMahon's headband. <laughs> very, very good. Chubbs comes in with, uh, oh, here we go. Will it come up? Yeah, technicality on grammar. Come on, Corey, you're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not a leader. No, no, no. Uh -uh. I, no I, did, I did well in school. <laughs> my grandma yeah. was an English teacher. I get my butt whooped if I didn't find that. <laughs> oh, this is this is an interesting one because John is in there. He has to go for Alan Robinson. Yeah, you probably do. Um, so it's look, it's going to be a lot of fun. We will be, like I said, we will do a kind of a fun live show um, when we're doing this, just to kind of get people's funny reactions. It's going to be very similar to the actual draft in terms of. The reactions of people going up and down, but it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. But look, guys, it's it's been great having all the comments that came in today. It was a lot of fun. Again, we we got we went a little bit longer than we expected today, just because again there was a lot of good comments, a lot of good topics. It's great that you guys got to join us today, Anthony, Scott, Corey, Tony. Great that you guys could join us today as well. And we'll definitely be back. We have an interview with um, Caitlin Sharkey on Wednesday evening. So that will be about 1 a.m. Irish time and what's that, 7 p.m. Central time. So make sure that you do stick around for that. We've had Caitlin on the show before. She's an excellent follow. Make sure you do follow her over. Make sure you get involved. That Myself, Anthony, and Corey will be on that show with Caitlin. So make sure that you check that out. We'll be previewing the Bears versus the Dolphins game next Friday. Um, so make sure you check us with that. And we'll also do a post-game um, after that game as well. So make sure, look, again, JJ kind of has come in here saying, great show, looking forward to the fantasy season. Look, it's going to be great um, just to kind of get everybody involved. It's been great having all the comments, everybody involved. Make sure that you do go over and subscribe over onto YouTube. Help us get to 500 subscribers by the time the season kicks off. Um, again, all this will be available on all your audio streams as well. So until then, all we can say is bear down. Bear, bear down. down. Bear down.